Welcome to the Not For Profit Podcast. My name's Matt Williams, your host. Today, we have a special guest, Brett Ryan from CEO of Focus on the Family. Brett has been in Focus on the Family for a couple of years now, about six and a half years, but also has a bit of other industry experience as well. And we talk to him about different areas. The first thing we talk about is setting out boundaries. In a previous role where Brett was, we, he, we talk about his role and how he found that his work-life balance was not in balance at all and how he implemented strategies to get that back into balance and set the boundaries, not only in the business, but also in the personal life to ensure that balance is correct. The next thing we talk to Brett about is re-energizing self. Also along the lines of that work-life balance, but just re-energizing self and making sure that you take time out for yourself. Again, he looks at strategies that he's used and what he's done in the past to make sure that that re-energization of self has taken place. It could be as simple as something, spending time with the family and as he goes into fish, fishing, golf. But generally, we also talk about that, how that can be the first thing that goes when trying to get things done. So we talk about strategies to make sure that that doesn't happen. The last thing we talk to Brett about is ensuring that we're keeping in line with the mission. As a CEO, there is lots of tasks, lots of things coming. And so Brett just goes into a little bit about how he makes sure that the tasks that are set aside and that they undertake are part of the mission or towards the mission of the, of the NFP. And we also have a quick chat about how they can do make go away from the mission or come back towards the mission so we have a chat about that and what the strategies again that they've implemented to do that as focus on the family the not-for-profit podcast is brought to you by platinum audits for all your auditing needs if you need any audits done or you need any information please contact platinum audits Welcome to the Not For Profit Podcast, Brett Ryan, CEO of Focus on the Family. Welcome. You are more than welcome. I'm pleased to be with you. Mate, I really appreciate your time today. I know that you're a very busy uh, person. I just wanted to, if you could uh, give a quick background about how you got involved with Focus on the Family and yeah, a bit of your history. Sure. Well, I um, first of all, from a personal level, I've been married for 30 years. I've got three adult sons, a 25-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 21-year-old. My eldest has been married for almost two years, and I've got a grandson who's about five months old. So wow. I'm in a new phase <laughs> in life. From a professional level, I started as a critical care nurse. I majored in intensive care and accident emergency. So yes, for me to have a really good day, someone had to have a really bad day. And then I transitioned from there and I became a children's and family pastor at a, a large church in Melbourne called City Life. And I was there for about 12 and a half years. And then I transitioned to become the CEO of Folks on the Family almost uh, six and a half years ago. So I've been in the people business, looking after people uh, physically, then uh, spiritually, and now I help people relationally. Oh, that's awesome. That's a that's a really big switch from going from critical care to pastor. How did you how did you make that right that switch? Obviously, it was God calling, but is it was a very much a 
physical and a mental switch there as well. Yeah, very much so. I, I do recall during that time, I was looking for something new. I was applying for unit manager's jobs. I was an associate charge nurse for many, many years and I was actually getting them, but then I'd actually put out a fleece for those people who are familiar with that terminology. And every time it was a no, even though I was given the job, I was given three unit managers positions that I applied for and it just didn't feel right. And then lo and behold, the uh, senior minister and the executive pastor came to my home and said, uh, we believe that you're the next, uh, our next children's and family pastor and we'll give you a week to decide. And I remember that time, uh, it was not a very good week for sleeping. And I was a yes, no, no, yes. My wife was yes, no, no, yes. We couldn't get our yeses at the same time and our noes. I finally said yes. And I won't bore you with all the stories, but we had some incredible confirmation uh, in that journey that felt right. And then I started the role and uh, probably about two or three days into it, I was saying, what have I done? <laughs> and uh, But then I, I probably put a lot of energy, a lot of effort into that role and it, the balance of my work-life balance got a little bit out of, out of kilter and I had to put some parameters in that place because it can be all-consuming and I put those things in place and as that, then it rolled out to be even more successful. We started doing things in schools and um, a, lot of, a lot of very exciting opportunities there, made some incredible friends, uh, grew and trained and mentored many, many young people and I loved that. And then I started feeling a little bit unsettled. I wanted to do more and I think I was put into that little pigeonhole of uh, this is what you're meant to do and I wanted to do more and uh, and then lo and behold I was applying for jobs and no not even getting a nibbles and I was overqualified I was thinking what is this and I think God was telling me that I needed to trust him and so I said well if I'm meant to stay here in my role I'm happy to do that and it was immediately after I had that aha moment uh, then the, the role that focused on the family was uh, advertised and my wife said that's the reason why this is your job for you and somehow some reason why they saw fit that I was the the next person to lead the ministry which I had you know grew up our children and I and I greatly admired and now I have the privilege of being part of that organization yeah and obviously they've been you've been there six and a half years so they they still think you're the role just touching on your time at the as a pastor you said you had to introduce that work-life balance got a bit out of whack you had to introduce some parameters how did you go about that and was there any any pushback from that from other parties well one big thing is i got a very good pushback from my wife to say you got to say no because it'd be all consuming. We had multiple services and I wanted to be all things to all people. I wanted to prove myself. And that was probably in the first two years I put a, you know, head down, bottom up and, and I, and I wanted to do the very best that I possibly could. And, and that became more of a focus and my children needed me, my wife needed me. So those were some very frank conversations and I was just starting to put those things into place, but I needed to do it even more intentionally and eventually I, I cut down the number of meetings I had to attend to. Uh, I didn't have to be all things to all people. But one of the keys that I did, it was empower my leaders to take control and not micromanage, whereas I think I probably had 
too many fingers and too many pies and empowered them to be the best. And I, and it just released me. It took away the burden. I didn't have to be all things to all people. And, and then it started falling into place. And I actually then started equipping other people to do the work of the ministry and it, and it snowballed from there. And I had about 400 volunteers at my disposal. Uh, we were ministering to about a thousand children every weekend. And I had about four or five chaplains I was overseeing. So it was a really exciting time. Um, but I knew that I had to keep that balance right. Yeah. So using those tools that you, you learned from there, you were able to bring them across to the CEO role as well? Very much so. I mean, I, I speak on work-life balance, so I, I've got to not only be a theorist, I've got to be a practitioner. Uh, but I also remember dipping down into that uh, when I started at, at Focus on the Family, that I started doing that, that I got to do it all. And, and I got really, really busy. Fortunately, my boys were much older now. I don't think I could do this role and travel across Australia as much as I do now if my boys were little. And I don't think it would have been tenable. Uh, but now my boys are older, that pressure is not so much there. Um, I treat my relationship with my wife as like a, a bank account. I have to make sure I, I do regular deposits because I know I'm going to make some withdrawals and I know I'm going to be able to, uh, you know, I don't want to go into overdraft. I don't want to go <laughs> bankrupt. So I make that time and, and include her. And ideally, I love to do ministry with my wife so we can travel together if we need to do a marriage seminar or a parenting seminar. Uh, that's been fun to do. I've just actually just got out of the radio studio where I got her to do some radio work. and uh, So we can do things together. But I also know that this ministry will not continue unless I look after myself. A little bit of self-care enables me to actually be able to care for others. If I neglect me, other things will fall into Will, will suffer and that could be my own marriage my own family but also the ministry will suffer if i don't put those boundaries in place yeah that's awesome that's key that we found a lot of uh interviews we've done is that look that self-care and that self you know being able to say no is, is one of the hardest things of people and particularly in the volunteer sector and the non-for-profit sector people just want to say yes to everything and that's the biggest downfall is they don't like you said don't put into the bank account don't put in the assets to take a bit of credit yeah. away so and and mobile phones are a real trap they're great things they're great tools <laughs> they can people can contact you and you can do everything all the time and i often check in you know on a regular basis even when i'm not meant to be doing work but i also find it quite therapeutic and i find it energizing helping people if there's an email i really make sure that i as personal as i can as early as i can but knowing that i need to show that uh but lead by example i, I have been blessed to be able to have a high energy level and high capacity and uh and i've, I've sort of got that turbo bunny mentality <laughs> i can do lots of things but I also know that if my wife checks in on me and, and is feeling neglected, I need to make sure that things need to be adjusted. And, and, we're, and, and, and I've given her permission to check in on me. My board chair is checking in on me on a regular basis. And, uh, and, and that's been really encouraging to know that they recognise that uh, although I've got a high capacity, not to be taken advantage of. Yeah, and that's good. I was going to ask about that circle of influence and circle of friends slash people who are important to you, do you have that in place? Obviously, you do have that in place. That was going to be one of my questions. But how important is to you and how large is that circle? Because I've had it mentioned a couple of people like, you know, they have 10 or 12. Some people have two or three. Is is your circle very big or and how do they influence you in different ways? Um, I, I think I, 
because of my background and and I'm in the people business, I'm I I quite often find that I'm I'm easy to come and care for others, and I don't necessarily need people to care for me. It's not being selfish; it's just the way that I'm wired, and I don't like when people do things for me. It's it's sort of really counterintuitive. Having said that, I have a few people that check in on me on a regular basis. The, the circle is, is pretty tight. And I think leadership in general can be a bit lonely and you try it and you don't necessarily have a lot of people who can speak into your life. I'm happy to speak into as many other people's, people's lives. If I speak to a, a leader of a not-for-profit or a pastor of a church, um, I'm there for them. And I'll say, how can I serve you? How can I help you? And then they say, who's caring for you? Um, and I go, oh, oh, that's a good question. And and so I need to be open to people tapping into me and checking in on me from time to time. However, ha- having said that, I have a few select people that are, I allow to speak into my world and to challenge me. I, I do miss my father. My pa- father passed away 10 years ago, and I really miss him as a, a mentor, someone who would pray for me and also would, be, would have been a great researcher for me. Uh, <laughs> but he's no longer here, so I'm very mindful that uh, I need to be, I need to have a, f- a few people that I can speak to and ask advice and to mentor in because I have a really, a, a really strong bent on having people or mentors speak into your life on a variety of issues. It could be financial, could be business, could be spiritual, could be a lot of things. I think we should all have people that we can turn to and just download. They may not have to solve the problems, but they can actually certainly just come alongside you. Absolutely. And that relief from downloading, like you said, is is paramount. And I know I had the same thing for a, for a mate of mine. We went to the gym every Thursday and it was just both business owners, bang, just download, not solving any problems, but just getting it off the chest. Yeah. Uh, the One of the greatest gifts you can give to someone is your presence, just being present, uh, fully there and engaged and listening and attentive to what they're going through. And it, you don't have to solve the problems, but uh, my mum used to say a problem shared is a problem hard. It doesn't mean the problem go away. It just means that it's the burden is, is, is shared. And I think that's a really important, even with my relationship with my wife, is to know is to know and inform her when things are becoming a little bit overwhelmed, uh, you know, in my world or stressful or when things are going well. So I need to share the highs and the lows. Yeah, absolutely. With your role within a CEO role, is there anything that you have seen that worked and didn't work? So if you had one, you know, obviously you come across problems on a regular basis. Is there something that you've implemented that can help we have NFP listeners out there who's starting up or who, you know, in that growth stage. Is there one thing that you've implemented, you spoke about before um, being a pastor, how you empowered others and you spread them out and you, you know, give them the power. In your CEO role, did that work as well or is there other strategies you introduced? Yeah, I, I wish it could. It was, in, a, in a church setting, you've got a lot more people available to you. And, um, and so if I wanted to do an event, I could ask and, and send an email and I get lots of people in a smaller not for profit, you know, the buck's got to stop with you and you don't often do just one job. You have to do multiple jobs. I wish I could say that, uh, I've got it all, all scunned and I know all the answers to that, but I am learning that with, with the responsibility to get other people to do the work at, work of the ministry and and to not micromanage have a finger in some pulses but at the same time empower them and not you know be overbearing and so i've got a, a, 
basically I had to, when I started at Focus on the Family, everything went to, well, hit the fan, so to speak. And so there was <laughs> lots of challenges that I needed to do. And I had to, you know, cut the team, make staff redundant and not by my own choices, it just necessity. Finances were, were not there. And so I'm a natural team builder. And the first thing I had to do was cut the team. But then slowly but surely, things have started falling into place. I worked hard. I gleaned advice from as many people as possible and asked them. The only thing that I would, from a word of advice now to come to think about it, I got to the point where I had too many voices. <laughs> uh, I had paralysis analysis. I had everyone telling me, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. This is what you should do. And it, they're all contradictory. Uh, I needed to you know, listen to a small group of people who I could trust and then implement things slowly and knowing that things take time. I mean, basically, uh, I've been for six and a half years I really feel like I'm just slowly moving the cogs to get to a place where I feel like I'm going in the direction that I believe that it needs to be taken. There are so many needs. I can't cater for them all. So I need to start you know, making sure that I, I, I do the things and get good value for my buck, so to speak. And uh, radio is one way that we've been able to do that and to do as many radio content productions or be available for media comments. And that's so I can reach a number of people. It doesn't, you don't get money from it, but it's helping people. And that's what our mission is all about, strengthening families and strengthening relationships. That's it. That's what it's about. You mentioned that there was a, that paralysis analysis thing. How did you decipher who was the best people to listen to and who to not ignore, but not take their advice as seriously? How did you decipher that? That's a great question because everyone has their own opinions and, and it's not necessarily the people who who are older and got more experience. Sometimes I found that people who were older and had lots of experience were very old school thinking. Things that may have been successful in the past don't necessarily mean they're successful now or in the future. So I wanted to talk to and listen to people who are a bit more cutting edge or innovative those things were very, very helpful. But at the end of the day, I had to discern what I felt and glean all the information that I could. And then I had to come to some of the conclusions. Um, and that could be a lonely job and you might make some mistakes and, uh, and I get that. But I trusted that the decisions that I made were going to be for the long-term health and well-being of the ministry to be on, the, on mission. I could chase the dollar but the dollar is not necessarily the, the be in an end or it's actually trying to be most effective and very mindful of trying to be, and especially in a, in a, in an, in the not-for-profit to avoid mission drift. And that happens in the, in the business world as well, but in the not-for-profit, particularly, you know, you could chase the dollar or you could chase different programs, but you start drifting from your original call. And um, so I'm very mindful and very steadfast to making sure that I don't drift from the mission that I feel that I need to go through. Yeah, that that's a question that I had was how do you how do you make sure that you keep on that mission? How do you like as you said the 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 need is endless, the resources are limited. How do do you bring everything back to that mission to one thing that would the goal we're trying to achieve? If it yeah. doesn't, it's cut off, or do you yeah. go well? It could, or it might. Well, being a Christian not for profit, there's some tendencies that you could drift off and become just a, a justice organization. We want to stay true to our Christian foundations, true to our, our Christian heritage. And if there's something that goes that we are going to be manipulated or 
told that we can't mention God or can't mention the Bible or the gospel, then that's a no-brainer for me. I don't want to go down that pathway. We can be we can do things with high Christian values and not necessarily high Christian content. That's okay. But if it's saying that we can't hold on to those Christian values, then that's a no-brainer. It's very easy to say that's not on our mission, that's not on our core values. Alternatively, I have to be very mindful of I've I've only got limited resources and limited time. I would like to do more things, but I can't s- do everything. And I'm also very mindful that I, I don't want to just necessarily become a specialist in one area because when you say the word family, what do you think of? It, it's all things to all different sizes yeah. and shapes. And so I need to be a, what I like to call a generalist, you know, because Anything that ha- happens to family happens to marriages and, and relationships. We can talk about sexuality, technology, mental health, pornography. Then we can talk about single parent families, blended families. Then we have divorce and separation. There's a whole, a whole myriad of different things. So I'd like to be as broad as possible and rather than just becoming a, just a one-stop shop for one particular issue. Um, yep. And that's a challenge in itself, but I think I'd like to be as broad as possible because you risk offending someone if you can't provide a service for them if they're a single parent family and all you talk about is husband and wife and they're a single parent. So what do you do about that? So I like to be as open as possible, but that keeps me on mission. But at the same time, as I said, staying true to our Christian values. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that with with your programs you do, I've I've listened to the radio programs in the past and bits and pieces, do you find that you do get feedback that you are focusing too much on one area and not other areas? No. No, you don't? Okay, that's brilliant because- We're we're very fortunate that uh, we sort of fly under the radar. People like us and even if people who may be antagonistic towards our values say, hey, this is- um, this is actually helpful. Uh, yep. You know, I've been labelled all sorts of things in the past, but then they actually do some more research and realise that hey, this is this is helpful. This is, I mean, we strongly believe you know a, a strong nation is going to be built on strong families, whatever that family looks like. So we got to tr- you know help how to do conflict well, how to communicate well, how to resolve issues on the early years of parenting and how to resolve the issues of early marriage. And even if you've been married for 10, 15, 25 years, there's still things to adjust and and help them so they can be the best mum and dad, best husband and wife they possibly can be. But if they're a single parent or if they're a single in general, they're still going to be connected to a family somewhere along the line. So the other aspect is we don't often get to get feedback. I think this is an Australian culture. We know anecdotally it's helping people. We know people will come up to me when I'm speaking at a conference or speaking in a church event or, or a men's breakfast, whatever it may be. They say, oh, this helped me. You saved my marriage. You taught me how to become a husband. You taught me how to be a father. And I get to hear them, but we don't often receive emails or telephone calls because people say, hey, I should contact them, but they don't do it. We love to get feedback to see and hear about how focus on family has helped them. But often it's only if someone takes offense of something. And unfortunately, we don't get that many offensive uh, emails. Uh, that's that's brilliant. If you're achieving that, then that's that's a win in my book. Mm. Although I did remember speaking to a, a station, a radio station manager, and he says, embrace the antagonistic emails. And I said, why is that? And he says, it's because it's hitting a nerve. And hitting nerves is actually it means that there's a, a dialogue that can take place. There's an interactivity. Sometimes people can passively consume and not necessarily engage. Um, I, I like it when I, I know 
if I've hit a nerve and someone says, I need to find out more, I know I've hit, hit, a, hit the nail on the head. And that's encouraging. So if people will send me an email or telephone with an issue that they're dealing with, it means that we've earned that right to speak into people's lives. And I find that an incredible privilege, helping a, a couple who have got uh, an issue and, and help them along the way, providing them with resources and a podcast or, or an article, whatever it may be, to steer them in the right direction. And that's very, very rewarding. Oh, that's awesome. Mate, we're just about out of time. Is there any last thing you want to leave with our listeners just on NFP in general, uh, anything you want to say to them just to help them through their journey? Well, I think I said it to before, a bit of self-care is is vital. You know, caring for oneself, and that it doesn't mean you're selfish. It just means you're acknowledging that you need a little bit of rest and recuperation. One of the things that we are very mindful of is in the work-life balance is it can be all-consuming and you want to do it all and it, you got to think about it. it's not a not a sprint. It's a, the marathon. Everyone says that cliche, but it feels like a series of sprints for a marathon. I know that. But one of the things that, that I'm very mindful of is what energizes you and asking your the NFP uh, listeners what energizes you because whatever, if it's reading a book, going fishing, uh, playing golf or spending time with the family, what often happens is when you get stressed and when you get overwhelmed, the first thing that goes is the things that energize you. You know, it could be the fishing, it could be the golf, it could be spending time with the family. And often that's the, the you have to be counterproductive. You've got to be counterintuitive. The things you think, oh, I shouldn't do that. It's being selfish. I shouldn't do that. I've got to do other things. Listen to your body, listen to your mind, listen to your heart, listen to your spouse and say, hey, it's really important that I, I do the things that energize me because I will become a better me so I can actually be better at what I'm doing and more cognitively aware, more spiritually aware, more relationally aware and present. And that will help me be more effective as a leader. And then in turn, you can help and guide your staff and those who are volunteers under you to do the same thing. Because if people, I mean, that old cliched line that says, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you care for people, they will run through walls and, and run through fire for you. And I found that in my role at, as, a, as a pastor, and I'm finding that role a little bit more here in the not-for-profit space, that if I care for them and I genuinely care for them, they will do those things for me. And it's, and it's a, just a flow-on effect, and it's a win-win-win for everyone. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, if people want to get in contact with you or reach out to you uh, for say thank you or just uh, get some more information, what's the best place to get in contact uh, They can with you? go to our website, which is families.org.au, or they can give us a call on 1-300-300-361 or our website, as I said, families.org.au. Mate, thanks so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. You are more than welcome. Anytime. Mm-hmm. 